You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So there was a consensus on Twitter this past weekend after the first weekend of the NCAA tournament that a certain prospect really disappointed and I'm going to tell you coming up next why I completely disagree with that sentiment. Plus, after that, I'm going to re-rank the teams remaining in the tournament, 1 through 16. So all of that coming up next on the Locked On NBA Draft. You are locked on the NBA Draft. It is a Wednesday, which means we have gone, what, um, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday now without the NCAA tournament, but it is coming back tomorrow, so I am here to discuss that with you. As I hinted at in the opener, there was a certain prospect that the internet seemed to kind of gang together and seemed to come to a consensus that this prospect disappointed through the first two games of the tournament, and I'm going to tell you why I, I completely disagree with that. Plus, in the final two segments, I'm going to do kind of my reseeding, my power rankings, whatever you want to call it, of the remaining 16 teams in the tournament. Yes, we have finally made it to the Sweet 16. The first round, or the first two rounds, the first weekend, was as good as advertised. I watched almost all of every game pretty much glued to my couch that whole weekend, but I'm glad to have you here with me. Thank you for making this show your first listen today. I hope that's the case every day. My name is Sam Ferris. You can follow me on Twitter at Draft Dummies. I was there posting clips, thoughts, stats all weekend like I always do. Now, I did take a little bit of a break because, like, to me, the NCAA tournament is like my Christmas. It's a holiday for me, so... I wasn't necessarily on Twitter quite as much. I just wanted to really enjoy the games, but I'm excited to break down a few of my thoughts here. Before we get into the show, though, again, I just want to thank you guys as the listeners for listening. It certainly would not be the same without you, and I hope you guys all enjoyed the first round of the tournament as much as I did the first weekend, excuse me. But now we're kind of looking forward to the Sweet 16, Elite Eight, Final Four. Got some very fun potential prospect matchups coming up. But the first thing I did want to discuss is the Gonzaga-Memphis game was the game that I was most looking forward to. It did happen. Both Gonzaga and Memphis won their opening round games, faced in the second round, and the game really lived up to expectations both just the game overall, but the fact that Paula, or the game, the fact that Chet, excuse me, and Jalen Duran actually guarded each other throughout the game was really exciting because oftentimes we get these prospect matchups, but then the prospects don't actually really guard each other throughout the game. But that was not the case this game. And so the point that I wanted to bring up was it just seemed like the consensus after the game on Twitter from what I saw was that Chet had really disappointed that he didn't show well and that people were just kind of lower on what they saw. And some of those are clickbaity type people on the internet, but there were others that seemed to agree with that as well. And so I just want to go through kind of why I completely disagreed with that. Now, was it a perfect first weekend from Chet? No, he he did put up big stats 
in their opening round win over Georgia State. And then the second round was a little bit more of just the quintessential check game where the numbers, the stat sheet, you know, if you look at the box score, you might not have really seen or felt or understood the the impact he had on the game. So I want to go through that here. And I want to start by saying that, you know, I'm not the most seasoned scout out there, but I think that one common misstep or, you know, misapproach, whatever you want to call it, with people that are either more casual basketball fans that are just tuning in for tournament games and want to see, you know, that next guy that people are saying could be the next star or just people that are even new to scouting. A few common missteps or misapproaches there is one, just focusing on the individual instead of the game at large. Now, it's a skill. It's difficult to do both because when you're scouting a player, you want to individually watch that player, but you have to learn to understand his impact, not just on the guy he's guarding or attacking on offense, but his impact on the whole game. But I think also another important point to realize is that all of us love the dunk. We love the visceral play. And so a lot of times we do tend to overreact to sequences or plays that kind of evoke a visceral reaction. And so I think this is kind of an important point, especially when evaluating a guy like Paulo Boncaro versus a guy like Chet Holmgren. It's very pertinent between these two because when you see Paulo offensively, you see him isolate, you see him jab step, then drive left, then reverse pivot into a fadeaway, or you see him isolate, use that big body, uh, lean in, and then throw a whip pass to the corner. Like all these things are awesome that he does, but those things are easier to assess. They're easier to evaluate. They evoke a visceral reaction when he drives, hits that fadeaway at six foot 10. And I'm not saying those things are not exciting, that they're not important. They most certainly are. But those things are easier to evaluate and they can sometimes be easy to overrate. Again, just because of the visceral reaction they elicit from us. Again, everyone loves to see the fadeaway, the dunk, but it's more difficult to assess a lot of what Chet does really well, whether that's, you know, rotating down or from the weak side and even preventing a shot at the rim. And then there were a lot of really good examples of that from the Memphis game where people were posting clips where, you know, Jalen Duran was kind of bullying him or pushing him off his spot. And then one time Chet flopped and, uh, and Jalen Duran dunked on him. And, you know, that's a visceral play. Everyone saw it was on Twitter. It's easy to overreact. But then there was other plays where he kind of pushed him under the rim, but Chet Holmgren blocked him anyway. And so the overarching point here again is, yeah, you look at the stat sheet and it just might not have screamed like awesome game from Chet Holmgren. But when you step back and evaluate the game as a whole, like to me, Chet Holmgren defensively was fantastic. He was the difference maker in that game versus Memphis. And so we're going to go to some stats now that kind of prove this point because Chet did get into foul trouble. He only played 29 minutes. So 29 minutes on the court, 11 minutes off the court. And just starting like super high level now, does individual game plus minus mean everything on every given night? No, it does not. But it it is 
it certainly was indicative to me of the game that Chet Holmgren was plus, plus 16 on the game and his replacement Anton Watson was minus 15 on the game. Okay, so why is that the case? Let's dig into that. So 29 minutes on, 29 minutes off. When you look at the points per possession when Chet was on the court, um, Gonzaga in those 29 minutes outscored Memphis by 35 points per 100 possessions. So they had a 35 net rating. Scored 143 and a half, allowed 108.7. So again, plus 16, like they just dominated when he was on the court. And obviously when he was off the court, it was the opposite. They were actually outscored by 63 points per 100 possession. They were outscored by 12 points in 11 minutes. And, you know, then we dive into the four factors, which are the four ways that a possession can end. Shot, rebound, free throw, or turnover. So we look at those rates with Chet on the court versus off the court. Again, this is just an individual game. You can't take too much from one individual game. Like, you've got to look at bigger samples, but this is just kind of an example of the effect that Chet did have on the game that, you know, you might not have noticed if you were just watching individual plays or looking at the stat sheet. So starting with the shooting Effective field goal percentage when Chet was on the court for Gonzaga, 69%, and for Memphis, 43%. So they outshot the opponent by 25% in terms of e-field goal. And then when he was off the court, Memphis outshot them by 20% as well. Okay, and then we go to offense, we go to rebounding. When Chet was on the court, it was pretty even. Now, Memphis is the team that hammers the glass. That's what they do. They're top five in offensive rebounding. But... When Chet was on the court, Gonzaga out-rebounded them by 2.5%. But when he was off, they got absolutely wrecked on the glass. Uh, they were out-rebounded by 18%. So just a huge differential there when he was on versus off the court. And so these are things that, you know, if you're just watching him, if you're just paying attention to the offense, you might not realize, oh wait, when Chet is on the court, they the opponent is not scoring and they're not rebounding at near the rate they were otherwise. And so these are the effects that Chet has on a game. I often talk about the Chet effect is the amount of shots that the opponent gets at the rim when he's on the court is so much less than when he's off the court. He just has that effect on all facets of the game. He's not one guy that just shuts his man down or that is just flashy when he has the ball, his impact touches every aspect of the game. Again, it wasn't a perfect game. If you want to nitpick him offensively, I certainly understand. I don't have the time to do that today. There were certainly a few worrying signs, but like to me, you just have to step back and look at all aspects of the game that Chad affected. And that was on display as much as ever. And I think those that understand basketball and that have watched a lot of basketball and understand what impacting the game really means do value Chet. Now, I I do like Paulo. I do like Jabari Smith. I do like Jaden Ivey as prospects. They're just different prospects. And you have to, you just have to step back with each of them and ask, how do they impact the game? And Chet does that as much as anyone. And that was on full display again this weekend. So just to conclude this thought, he impacted the game in every way. Like Timmy was scoring the bucket. So he was the flashy guy, the visceral plays I was talking about, where if you're just watching as a fan, you're like, Drew Timmy cannot be stopped. 
But then if you step back and think about it and look at the stats throughout the game, it was obvious that Chet was the driving force. When he was on the floor, Memphis couldn't really score to the same rate. And when he was on the floor, Memphis also wasn't rebounding either. So those are the ways you can affect a game. Those are the ways Chet did affect the game. And I'm very excited to see them continue to play in the Sweet 16. Got some fun matchups coming up. But we got to get to a break. In the next segment, though, I w- I'm going to start ranking the teams 1 through 16. So kind of reseeding based on my opinion. All right, NBA fans, are you looking for a daily fantasy option for the NBA? Then you need to try the award-winning app, Prize Picks. It's daily fantasy made easy. I love this, and I believe you will too. These entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is that easy. It's safe, and they offer fast withdrawals. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. For a limited time, PricePix has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our users. Get $50 for free if a player in your first PricePix entry scores a single point, but you must use code NBA. That's right. Exclusive offer to Locked On fans. Sign up today and use code NBA. $50 for free if a player in your first PricePix entry scores a single point. All right, so I'm going to reseed the field, kind of do my power rankings of the remaining teams. Actually, before I do that, though, just so we have this on record and kind of remember the matchups, just going to quickly run through those. So Gonzaga, Arkansas in the West, one versus four, Texas Tech, Duke, two versus three. So top four seeds moved on there. In the South, Arizona, the one versus Houston, the five, Michigan, the 11 versus Villanova, the four. In the Midwest, Kansas 1, Providence 4 seed, Iowa State, and Miami 10 or 11. So either a 10 or 11 will make it on to the Elite 8. And then finishing up in the East, UNC the 8 versus UCLA the 4. And finally, Purdue the 3 versus the Cinderella St. Peter's knocked off Kentucky and then Richmond to make their way to the Sweet 16. They are a 15 seed and... They've been the story of the tournament so far. So the way I did this, ranked them 1 through 16. A couple points that I'll talk about as we go through here and kind of give my final four picks. And then I've kind of done the average ranking by region of the teams remaining. And I just did that for fun because I think it's an interesting to kind of look at which is the strongest and which is the weakest and how that kind of compares with what I thought coming into the tournament. But... Without further ado, the top four teams I have remaining, number one, Gonzaga, two, Duke, three, Kansas, four, Arkansas. So again, the top four teams, Gonzaga, Duke, Kansas, and Arizona. I did pick Kansas to win the whole thing. If you remember from the previous um, episode that I did last week with CT, Now, the reason that I picked them to win isn't because I thought they were the best team. Clearly, I have them third here. I might have had them a spot or two lower even coming into the tournament, to be honest. But I picked them because I thought their region was easily the weakest, and we'll get back to that thought in a second. But first, you look at the top two teams. It's Gonzaga versus Duke. Like, Duke, yes... They're kind of a ceiling and basement team where I think there's a lot of variability potentially game to game. They're just a younger team, but in terms of talent, they're up there with anyone. They did already beat Gonzaga this year, and we very well 
very well might get that Gonzaga Duke final four matchup. So, you know, that's, that's kind of the point right there. To me, the top two teams are in the West. I think the West is the hardest region, both from the beginning. That's what I said. And I think that continues to be the case. I do think Gonzaga and Duke each beat uh, Arkansas and Texas Tech to meet in the final four. And that will be the prospect matchup of the tournament. Getting to see, you know, the second edition of Paulo versus Chet and all the other prospects, especially from Duke, get another look at AJ Griffin, Keels, Mark Williams, etc. But at three, I have Kansas. And at four, I have Arizona, Benedict Matherin, very arguably was, you know, uh, put forth the best prospect performances from the first weekend. The game at TCU was fantastic, especially just him getting on the glass, willing his team to victory. I tweeted that we were seeing a Benedict Matherin make or takeover, and that was certainly very exciting to see. So I've got Kansas, Arizona, 3-4 behind Gonzaga and Duke, 1-2. And then just rounding out the top eight, after GU, Duke, Kansas, Arizona. At five, I have Purdue, six, Villanova, seven, UCLA, eight, Texas Tech. So you might be asking, Sam, you picked UCLA to go to the final four. That was my pick. I'm fine. I am feeling pretty good about it. The reason, again, it was just another hedge. I thought Purdue's side of the bracket was a little bit more difficult having to go through, you know, I liked Virginia Tech, even though they lost in the first round. I thought they'd be a tough matchup in the second round. And then I was worried about Kentucky, even though I thought they were overrated, to be honest. And they, of course, lost in the first round too. But I thought Kentucky was better than Baylor, in my opinion. And so I just thought it was a little bit safer to have UCLA advancing. So my five through eight right now, Purdue, Villanova, UCLA, Texas Tech. So as you can see from that, I, I like if I had to pick right now, I have Gonzaga, Kansas, Arizona, and Purdue as the final four. And boy, would that be fun. Now, some upsets along the way, a couple of these long shot teams making it would be exciting. But I kind of prefer those upsets in the earlier rounds so we can get kind of these blue blood, these prospect matchups at the end. I mean, any way you slice it, it's going to be a lot of fun. But if we get Gonzaga Duke in the Elite Eight and then get one of those teams versus Purdue and then get, what, Kansas, Arizona on the other side, whew, that, that would be elite. That would be a lot of fun. All right, coming up in the final segment, going to run through 9 through 16 in terms of my reseeding, my re-rankings, and then kind of look at the aggregate average ranking and difficulty, in my opinion, of each region, and that, how that compared to what I initially thought. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. This is the time of year where we're into March now. Most people have certainly given up on their New Year's resolutions, but you do not need to do that because you can eat healthy with Built Bars. Plus, they've got these new flavors called Puffs, which I think I've talked about before, but it's fun because I'm a marshmallow guy, so you get these first-ever protein-infused marshmallows. They're fluffy, marshmallowy, not just a protein bar. They are also a treat but of course they're healthy as well and covered 100% in chocolate, low calorie, high protein, 
Replace your candy bars with these. They are better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. Go ahead and compare that with the candy bar. So again, Built Bar, to me, it's the best tasting protein bar there is. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. Promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, so 9, 10, 11, 12, I have Houston, Arkansas, UNC, Iowa State. Again, Houston, Arkansas, UNC, Iowa State, and then Providence, Michigan, Miami, and then St. Peter's. Though we all certainly hope to see them win again. They've been an awesome story so far. Just based on their resume till now, you kind of have to put them 16. So now, again, my final four, I'm picking Kansas, Gonzaga, Arizona, Purdue, both because I think those are the best teams and also it would be a ton of fun. But I've done kind of, you know, I've taken the average of each of those teams based on the region they're in. So the average ranking by region. So in the West, it's 5.25. Again, I ranked these one through 16 and then color coded them by region and then took the average ranking by region. So West is the best, the best in the West, 5.25. The Midwest by far, you could say the lowest at 10.75, the South at 8.25 and the East at 9.75. So from best to worst, in my opinion, from this point forward, or the most difficult, you could say, West, South, East, and then Midwest. But the West is like considerably more difficult, in my opinion. And that's pretty easy to tell why. I have Gonzaga, Duke, 1-2 among the remaining teams. So, I, in my opinion, one thing I did get very right about this tournament was the Midwest being the weakest region. That's, again, why I picked Kansas. Just wanted to quickly revisit this, but Auburn and Wisconsin is the 2-3. I was just very confident they were overseeded. They just, they really weren't that good. And Auburn limped into the tournament at six and four. Their guard play was abysmal. Like it, it people knew we saw it, like everyone was talking about it on Twitter. This was no surprise, but with the way their guards played, Katie Johnson, Wendell Green, I just, I just didn't think that I thought you needed better guard play, certainly more steady guard play to advance in the tournament. And uh, it that came to fruition. Wisconsin is a three seed. They had lost two of their last three coming into the tournament. And more important than anything, Johnny Davis just didn't qu quite look right. There were reports he was banged up. And I just kind of felt like they were honestly playing over their heads all season anyway. So both of those came to fruition. The Midwest did end up being the most difficult the the worst excuse me and the west did end up being the most difficult and it was kind of annoying because memphis and arkansas were two teams that i was really high on coming into the tournament that i was going to have make runs but when i saw the bracket memphis had to play gonzaga in the second round in arkansas in the sweet 16 so kind of unfortunate in my opinion how that bracket came out but gonna be some fun matchups now again I'm really hoping for the Gonzaga-Duke matchup. And then that final four matchup, I would love to see more Jaden Ivey. I would love to see more Benedict Matherin. But if we get some upsets along the way, I don't think any of us will be too disappointed. 
I just want to finish up by saying I have enjoyed watching these prospects all season. I do my homework throughout the whole year. And more than anything in March, I just watch the games for fun, for the enjoyment, because that's what it is to me. At this point, you should not really be changing your evaluation based on one or two games. We have seen the tweets going around the stats about last year, Cade struggled in his last game, Franz struggled in his last game. Obviously, if you lose in the tournament, you generally struggled. That's why you lost. And it's just one game. The worst thing you can do is overreact to it. So just sit back, have fun, enjoy the rest of the NCAA tournament. Thank you so much for tuning into the show today. I very much appreciate it. Again, my name is Sam Ferris. I am a credentialed NBA draft analyst. You can follow me at Draft Dummies. But more than anything, thank you listeners for tuning in. And because you watched our show, I do believe you would enjoy our Locked On NBA show where experts cover the biggest stories around the NBA in 30 minutes or less every day of the week, Monday through Monday through Friday, excuse me. That's the Locked On NBA show. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts.